This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like, if casual and cool, had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Rest is Football. I'm Gary Lineker and as always, I'm joined by the dynamic duo that is Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. How are you both? Um, I think one of us had an interesting weekend. Micah, you're in the news. Oh my word. Gary, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Yeah, because it's under police investigation. Exactly that. But when I am allowed to talk about it, the rest is football. We'll get it first. I think the common opinion is don't fuck with big meeks. (laughs) No comment. Absolutely. And um, and plead the fifth. Yes. Flex the guns, Micah. Yes, in in case um, those of you are, are unaware, um, there was an incident at Arsenal yesterday where uh, allegedly Roy Keane was um, headbutted by someone and um, a certain Mike Richards stepped in. Uh, we'll get the full story at some point. Uh, it's um, something we shouldn't um, uh, trivialise either, uh, really, because obviously that's a serious thing that if fans start attacking people. So um, we'll wait till the police investigation is done before um, we cover that story even more. Um, Is your weekend a little quieter, Alan, I presume? Yes, um, it was very quiet, especially with Newcastle putting in a really poor performance. Um, I wasn't going to mention it, Alan. I I knew you were definitely going to mention it, Um, so I thought I'd get it in before you did. Uh, But yeah, it was a little bit quiet. I did um, PLP on Saturday rather than uh, than match a day, so I was in the studio. Premier League Productions, that would be. Premier League Productions, yeah, so Mm. I was in there all, uh, all Saturday afternoon, yep. Right. Um, as usual, there's lots to discuss to today after another uh, busy weekend of um, well football in action as well, Micah. Uh, we'll be talking about a terrific Tottenham performance, uh, more brilliance from Brighton, uh, as well as a fantastic result for Nottingham Forest at Chelsea. And uh, much more, I hope. But there's only one place we can start, really. We've had a hat-trick of hat-tricks. 
uh, this weekend. Harland first, uh, first and foremost. Yet another one, Al. Another he's going to he's going to be if he's here. And I saw the reports that he might be signing a new extension to his contract for a certain. I think they said six hundred thousand pounds a week. It's a living, isn't it? Um, so, um, I, he's going to beat your record in about five seasons. Yeah, he probably will, wouldn't he? If he's here that long. Um, Phenomenal. It's not. I mean, it's no surprise the number of chances that they create. I mean, he's. He, I know he's got to stick them away, and he's playing with really good players. But just a phenomenal talent. Um, he'll he'll get more hat tricks this season. He'll get more hat tricks next season. And wherever he's going to play his football, if he stays fit, he's just, what a talent! It's unbelievable. Al, you did loads of analysis, didn't you? Not last season, the season before, about if Man City had a proper number nine. So you knew this was going to happen. Did you think he would sustain this level, though? Yeah, I did. Because last season's 50-odd goals is not a surprise to me. because It's not a fluke, is it? No, absolutely. No, it's it's not a fluke and it's not a surprise because if you get a a supreme goal scorer in that Man City team who knows where to run, who's technically brilliant at everything and is just a fantastic goal scorer. That's exactly what was going to happen. So um, I saw that. I, I saw that. And I'm, we we said it last season, didn't we? I wonder how Harry Kane's feeling looking at um, looking at Erland Haaland scoring all those goals and picking up the treble. And, and I wonder I how Harry Kane's feeling watching Son score a hat-trick in his, in his yeah. position. Yeah, another one, Son, another one. Um, some of his goals at the weekend were brilliant. I just wonder if there's a small part of Son that is enjoying more responsibility, enjoying being... Becoming the main man. Being the main man, because I think some players will enjoy that and like that and take to it. Uh, and it looks as if that can be the case with him, because he, he, he might feel freed up. He might feel a lot more... He can sort of get his personality out even more and do do more things on a pitch because Harry's now gone. He did have an unbelievable relationship. With so Kane. come on, come on, Gary. I yeah. know you want to talk about your hat tricks. Have you? Come on. Well, I, I know you've got a couple of stories for us since we're on the subject. I I, I wasn't even contemplating <laughs> uh, mentioning um, um, the many hat tricks that I scored. <laughs> Has that ever been done, has it? As in three hat-tricks and one Saturday in the Premier League? Oh, here we go. He's fishing for an answer here. Um, Yes, it has been done, Alan. It was done in 1995 and a certain Tony Yeboah, and I think included in that hat-trick, was that incredible strike where it bounced off the underside of the bar. Remember that (laughs) absolute howlitzer. Um, The other ones was Robbie Fowler. Oh, and I can't... who, Who was the third? Um, um, oh, uh, please tell me it's not him. It is. Go <laughs> this, is this is not BBC. Honest to God, I'm <laughs> sick to death <laughs> of seeing your name everywhere. <laughs> Sound surprised. Another oh, yeah. question I'd like to put to you guys is: I know that's Premier League, but who yeah. is the youngest player ever to score a top flight uh, hat And you know damn well it's you as well. <laughs> <laughs> That was pre-Premier League days, Alan. So as you well know, football didn't exist then. So that, that true, actually yeah. doesn't count. That is but true, that's true. Yeah. You were 17. Was that your, I presume that was your debut, wasn't it? Yeah, it was my yeah, my full debut, yeah, when I was 17. And I think it was Jimmy Greaves' record I broke, yeah, but I'm not it 100% was. certain on that. But I think it was, yeah. It was. And I think he was quite a bit older than that. He was kind of 1920, I think, when he did yeah. that record, something like that. Was it so. a perfect hat trick? Left foot, um, right foot, header? Uh, no, it wasn't, no. But do, 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 who cares about that, Micah? 
Um, <laughs> you would if you'd done it. <laughs> I'd have been the first to tell you yeah. as well. Yeah. What was your, what was your favourite hat trick, Alan? Oh, it has to be that one, doesn't it? I mean, I mean to score a, a hat trick on your Arsenal. debut. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be that one. Yeah. I bet you couldn't believe what was going on there. I mean, it I must couldn't. have been quite staggering to do that. Do well, I didn't what? even know I was playing, you know, until until about midday, half 12. Who was the um, manager? Chris Nickel. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I didn't even know I was playing, so there was no time to get nervous. Danny Wallace failed a fitness test, and I just got the shout to say, you're in, you're playing. And it was like, wow, my parents or no one could even have any time to get to the game down from, from Newcastle. So it was just, I was in, and it just sort of happened. It was like, what the hell has just happened here? Good goals? I can't remember. Uh, well, yeah, they're all in and around the six-yard box. Good goals, then, Al. Great goals, yeah. <laughs> and then um, I was like cock a hoop. I was getting a match and back in the dressing room. And the manager comes back and he says, um, I'll see you tomorrow morning, nine o'clock, just so you can come in and pick all the kit up and clean all the boots. Really? <laughs> yeah. Get, keep the, you keep uh, your feet on the ground. Keep your feet on the ground. Right? We've all scored hat-tricks. I've scored a hat-trick. Come on, Michael. Tell when us, Michael. Talk us through your hat-tricks. 2005. Yeah. Manchester City reserves. Reserves? Staley Bridge Celtic. <laughs> Hat trick. Hang on a minute. Staley Bridge Celtic is a team, right? It basically, yeah. It's like a non league side. Sunday Sunday football. <laughs> you scored a hat trick in Sunday football. We've all, we've all done it. I might not do that at the highest level, but for a set, but for a centre half to score a hat trick, the yeah. evidence is there. Go online and see it. It's all There's there. video footage. No, there's no video for oh, <laughs> We'll have to take your word for it then. Uh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Come on, guys. Get I, it out the way. Well, I, yes, I, honestly, I, I can honestly seriously say that I've never scored a hat-trick against Stonebury Celtic. <laughs> Um, best hat trick. Oh God, it's so it's difficult to choose. <laughs> oh, okay, the best team. The best team. The best team against. Yes, the best um, team. I don't against. know whether you go Real Madrid or, or Spain in the Bernabeu. Which boom, one? Boom. <laughs> Have no, some of that. that. I, must, I must admit though, the the, the 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 one in the against Real Madrid was. I I scored two goals in the first five minutes, and honestly, when you play in those those. Um, Classicos, there are only have home fans, so there's no way, there's none, no, none whatsoever. And um, the 120,000 in there that day or that night, and they scored two two goals, both really close range, obviously. And I, the noise, the noise was you've never heard anything like it. And I, I had goosebumps on the all over me, and I went back back to the half time, and then just after half time. Ball went through a one-on-one and I dinked over Boyo, the then keeper, and it was like, wow. But what happened then was that the Real Madrid got a goal back. We were 3-0 up. And then they got another one. It was about 15, 20 minutes to go, and I'm thinking, oh, please, please, please don't lose this or draw. I can you imagine having you scoring a hat-trick and not winning in in a, in your first Classico? But that was absolutely Unbelievable. But what was, what was the feeling like afterwards? Do you feel like... Euphoric. Me- yes. Yeah, euphoric, um, just joyous. Uh, it's, it's it's hard to describe how you feel after a big game when you've had a really good day. Um, in a match like that where there's so much pressure... And you know, people were all over you. And uh, Gary, where's your? Uh, have you still got your the match balls or you, that you that you scored your hat tricks with? Well, that's interesting you asked that, Alan, because I in those days in Spain you didn't get the match ball for a hat trick. It was only really a, a like a 
a British football thing. Oh, right. So I went up to the ref at the end of the game. I said, can I have the ball? And the ref's going, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, why, why do you want the ball? I went, I scored a hat-trick. And he's gone, huh? Care? What are you on about? So, <laughs> and he just walked off with the ball. And I talked to the players and said, what, what do you mean you want the money? It wasn't a thing. Although wow. it is now. Everywhere you go, you see it. The people, players get the ball right around the world. And um, I was a bit... I was a bit miffed on that. But I went to a thing recently. Um, they opened a big museum, um, kind of La Liga, all the history of, well, actually history of all football, not just um, Spanish football. And I went to the inauguration of it. They asked me at the end, of, they, there was about 10 players there. There was Hugo Sanchez and uh, all sorts of, you know, ex-Spanish players and a couple of current. And um, although Hugo Sanchez was Mexican, I have to say. I didn't mean Spanish players. I meant that played in Spain. He was at Real Madrid uh, and played in that day and scored in the day when I got that hat-trick. And they got him to present me with, they said they tracked down the match ball from that game. No. Now, I don't know whether they're actually, it is or not, but I'm going to take it that it is. And it was certainly that ball. And it was certainly the kind of ball that we used exactly the same. So, um so maybe I now I'd have it now. Describe the ball. What was it like? It's flat at the moment because <laughs> <laughs> I had to deflate it to take it on the plane. Um, but I'll pump it up again. Um, but it was like a round thing, Micah. You know, it's like a. <laughs> <laughs> but it had no signatures on it. But I did get Hugo Sanchez to sign it because he was and and he. I don't he know whether you, you have you even heard of him. I've heard of him. He was unbelievable striker, and I think the best of my my time. I think the best of my time. He's unbelievable. He really Speaking was. the best of time, we've mentioned Son and Haaland's hat-trick. How good is Evan Ferguson going to be? Oh, he's got it all, hasn't he? As long wow. as, you know, you never know really completely with young players because, you know, things can happen in your life or injuries or possibly. But if he gets a fair run and he's got the right attitude, which he looks like he's got from on yep. the pitch, you can never be sure. Um, and hearing him in his interviews and his movement, his finishing, his, he's only 18. 18, he's, yeah. I yeah. said before the game on Saturday, whoever wins that battle, Dan Byrne, or mm. Ferguson, the team will win the game. And there's only one winner in that. There was only one winner. Um, I mean, his, you're right, Gary, his movement, his understanding of positioning already at 18, finishing. Um, he's got a, he's got a bit of, he's, he's got a bit about him as well, you know, he's got a bit of strength and yeah. he, he doesn't allow defenders to push him around. Um, I, th I said, I think I said on match of the day, it look, he's got a tiny hint of Harland. Yeah, and you know he's 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 a big lad, strong, quick, good finisher. Looks unfazed by everything. Yeah, I mean the players that Brighton have sold over the last few years, then might just be reading about him in a couple of years' time going to somewhere huge for yeah. massive money. I read somewhere that he could play for England. You're going to upset. You're going to upset our Irish. You're going to upset our Irish listeners. He's probably he's, he's supposed to play for Ireland already, but there was a story yeah. I read it the other day saying he could still play for England. I don't know how true it is, yeah. but I'm just telling you're you. You're just putting read. it out there. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not campaigning for it. Just to <laughs> let you know, for our Irish friends and and, and listeners, we're not going to go down that route, but. Um, we'll take him. <laughs> um, he'll be joined, of course, by which I thought was probably one of the more interesting signings um, uh, on the last day or two by Ansu Fati, mm. who looked like being um, a superstar at Barcelona. He burst onto the scene, Michael Richard style, 
And, well, actually much better than that. And he looked amazing. Then he got the serious injury and he was out for a long time. And he's not quite found his place again since he since he returned at um, Barcelona. So they've now put him out on loan, hoping he does rediscover his, his form. But he kind of played at the left side at the top, which is a bit where Matoma plays. Um, but nevertheless, it will be um, fascinating to to chart his progress. I think it's a really interesting move going there as well, Brighton. I think that's a sign of mm. who they are and what they've done and Deserby and what have you um, with the coaching. And, I th- and I also, I would guess it's something to do with Barca's financial situation that they had to get some out to get one or two in as well. So, um, yes, it is. At least he's going to, at least he's, you'd think he's going to be playing and he's going to be playing under a top manager. Mm. What about Brighton's recruitment? Mm. Uh, it has been <laughs> incredible. second to none. How mm. they keep getting mm. it right, like year after year, selling players. Look, look at Cucurella. What did yeah. they get? 60, 70 million for <laughs> yeah. Cucurella. Yeah. It goes to Chelsea and it looks like he can't kick a ball straight. To be know? honest, anyone who goes to Chelsea at the moment that seems is, to look like that. It's just absolute madness. Yeah. Caicedo goes for 115 million. They just get it right. It's incredible what they're doing. And I don't know how they keep doing it. Well, they've not only done that, but they've managed to sustain the level of performance on the pitch that is truly remarkable. I mean, they were brilliant again on Saturday. I think Estepinian is yep. the next one. Yep. I think he's, he's performing left, left side, like left. one of the yeah. best fullbacks in the league. Mm. I put him in my fantasy last year. Yeah. He's getting me well, he's in our team, points and he's, and he's getting I, his I points. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, we have got a fantasy. Um, yes. How are we doing, Mike? I mean, you, you're, we're, we're you're doing, our captain. We're doing, we're doing very well. Um, yeah. I mean, we've got to tinker a little bit of things now. International as well, there's going to be injuries. Yeah. But we've got off to a, a very good start. That, that, that's very, very encouraging. <laughs> um, it excites me a lot. I want to talk about the um, two aspects of the Tottenham and Burnley game. Um, we mentioned Son, didn't we, um, before? But, yeah. I mean, I think it's quite something the way that Tottenham have started this season. When you take into consideration that they really, really struggled last year, um, that they've changed manager, that they've lost their star player in, in Harry Kane, yet they've come out, they're scoring goals, they're playing attractive football. Um, there's something about Ange Ball. There was, a, there was a period, I thought it was last season or a couple of seasons ago, where Kane was out injured and Spurs actually had a very good record. Son's a captain, he's a, he's a main man. When Tottenham played... Harry Kane's a main man, so he could do whatever he wants. When you score that many goals, you can do what you want. But at times, Kane came too deep and there was no one in that forward area. Now you've got the likes of Madison who can deploy that area. Son can can stay up. And I just think now they're a better team. I'm not saying someone's going to score 30, 35 goals. I just think now they look like they're taking more responsibility rather than just looking Are to Harry Are you claiming here that they're a better team I, I Harry think, Kane? no, no. I, no. I think they're a be- I think they're taking more responsibility. I'm not saying they're going to score as many goals. They just look more dynamic. That's, Everything yeah. went through Kane where now everyone's taking the responsibility saying, no, I, I've got my role in the team. And this is what I'm I'm going to do. I told you about Ange Ball from, from the get-go. I spoke to Chris Sutton, who followed his career when he was in Japan, when he was in Celtic. We knew the way he was going to play, but to get that message across so soon, it's been great to see. And Madison's kind of proven himself as as well there, isn't he? Because I think um, 
a lot of people are saying to you, oh, he's better than I thought he was. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that. And um, I mean, obviously those of us that followed Leicester and saw him, even last season when he, he was by a million miles the best player in the Leicester team, um, playing when a team's really struggling is a really good sign. We're all fans of him, aren't we? We all like who and what he is. We like his, uh, we like his attitude. Um, yeah, he's he's had a really good start as have uh, as have Tottenham. I do I do think there'll be a there'll, there will be a period though. I said to you earlier, didn't I? That I'm always reluctant to to say they're going to be great until after seven. It's the hope that games. kills you. It always is. Yeah, I, I do think there'll be a period that with with Tottenham that they'll they'll end, they will end up missing Harry's goals. I've no doubt about that, but. I I do like the way they've started, and obviously the manager and his style of play and everything else, and the way players are taking more responsibility because of the loss of him. So, um, yeah, they've had a really good start and looking impressive, scoring some. Um, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to share the load of goals around, aren't they? And they're on the team. They shared quite a few um, on Saturday. Uh, worrying for Burnley though, Micah. Yeah, Vincent, your old teammate. Um, they've conceded a lot of goals in the first three games. They've lost them all, all at home. I'm so disappointed with, with Burnley. I watched him on the opening uh, weekend. It was a Friday night football. And yes, there was against top opposition. But all the, the stuff that they've done well in the championship, they've not done in, in the Premier League. They're so naive at the back. Yes, Vincent Company's got a style of play and it will stick to that. But as players, and sometimes from the manager, you've got to say, okay, we're up against better opposition. We need to adapt to what we're against. And they keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. We went When we talked about that game that was supposed to be at Luton, and then Burnley could have took that game at home. And I said they should have taken that game just to give them a bit of feel-good factor around the camp, potentially get three points on the board. And now, I think after international break, they're away at Nottingham Forest. If they lose against Forest, you're already looking up at the table thinking, where are we going to get results? And then games become must-win. I think company will get it right, I do, in the end. But he's going to have to change. Do you think he will change though, Micah? Because he, he seems pretty adamant that that's his style of play and that's how he's going to going to go on I, I mean he, he has to tinker and he has to operate because I watched that game on uh, the weekend and they are so open they leave themselves so open and I know he wants them to play out from the back but I mean it does it, it, it does I look at Burnley and I just think oh, I know he's got his principles Vincent and how he wants his players to keep on playing out from the back etc that's fine but Against better opposition, it is enough more difficult to do that because you get punished. Teams are fitter, teams are quicker. They they understand the game a lot more, and I just keep watching them and they're making the same mistakes. He's and he's got to he's got to tighten up a little bit because they are far far too open at this level. You make errors, you're gonna get punished, and that's exactly what's happening. And unless he changes something, they might they might find themselves in a relegation battle quicker than they want. The three promoted teams actually have only got one point. Yeah. Well, it's it's always tough, isn't yeah, it, coming it's, up it's from, from the Championship. Yeah. It's a big gulf. And 
I want to talk about Forrest um, and for a couple of reasons, really. We we got a bit of stick on um, Match of the Day a week or so ago because Forrest fans re- think we're biased. <laughs> match of the Day is but Honestly, I get this all the time from football fans of every club. And um, they say, you really don't like us, you're biased. In fact, one letter that I um, received said they were going to take um, legal action <laughs> against <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry for that person, whoever it is, but um, um, rest assured, we have no bias against any football club um, as a television program, because that would be absurd. Obviously, various people, some people don't like certain football clubs, but we have different pundits every week. Um, Just tell them we can't talk about Forrest. We've got the lawyers involved. (laughs) Exactly. One of our producers, as as you well know, Alan um, Finchie, is a a massive Nottingham Forest fan. (laughs) And uh, it it, it always tickles me a a little bit. Alan's biased. So isn't he to Newcastle? Alan's, bi- yeah, but that's fine. You can be biased towards your own definitely team. Definitely not. That's um, not but- true, Micah. You are definitely biased. No, if you watch whenever someone beats Newcastle, I always give that You're team credit. Absolutely miserable. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I will say though, what drain I- the energy out the room. You do. <laughs> what I will say though is, is I think what happens is when it's your team that you're following, you tend to be more critical, and when your team loses, it upsets you more. So you get actually yeah. you're more critical of your own team. But I always think, and it's the same when we get complaints, it's Nottingham Forest this week, it'll be Aston Villa. We've had Villa before. In fact, we've had it from every club because if they have a performance and they don't think you've done enough analysis on it, and they, they get really upset. Now, I understand why, and it, but but it's, 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 I always think it's a little bit like, you know, your children. And if you're critical of your own children... That's fine. Sometimes you've got to, you know, criticize them or, or get upset with them or or tell them or teach them stuff. Um, and that's fine. But the minute someone from outside criticizes <laughs> your children, yeah, yeah. then that's a different thing. You yeah. become very defensive and protective of your own children. And I think it's like that with football clubs. If they feel like you're not giving them the love that they deserve or you're being overly critical of their team, when they themselves were probably equally as critical about their team, they'll get upset with you. Totally agree. Can you explain to the listeners and and the viewers how the running order works in terms of uh, who goes first on match of the day? Because, to be honest... I used to think Man United used to get a little bit more love than others. That, that's that's all. You are actually proving my point by saying that because <laughs> that is actually your bias that is sneaking in. And I'm going to, I will cover that, but I'm going to do it after the break. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Welcome back to The Rest is Football with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards and myself, Gary Lineker. And uh, when we left you, we were uh, in the brink of a discussion that had led to match of the day and how we do things and how we decide the running order. And Micah would like me to explain um, how um, 
we decide the running order. Now, the running order, when you don't like it, is chosen by the director, and when you'd li- <laughs> or the editor, and when you do like it, it's picked by me. Obviously, um, not at all. Um, it's a kind of combined effort, but it is ultimately the editor's um, decision. And and the way it works really is, I mean, it's called match of the day. So generally, you try and get the best match on first. You know, people say, oh, you always start with the. the Manchester City because they're top of the league, for example. Or um, Now, obviously, whenever you're covering a sporting event, the main focus will be on the leaders. You won't watch a horse race and just watch the back six teams for the, for the entirety of the event. Um, if you're watching athletics, they'll focus mainly on the leaders. If you're watching Formula One, they'll focus mainly on the leaders, but then they will go back from time to time and watch the others. So, obviously... Who is at the top and near the top of the league? Not at this stage of the season, but certainly towards the, the, the second half of the season. That has to come into your thinking when you're deciding the running order. But primarily, it's picked on the best game of the day. So um, on Saturday, I think it was Tottenham-Burnley, wasn't it? The lead, the lead game, um, 5-2. Um, Burnley scored first, they came back hat-trick from Son it was a difficult one on Saturday because there were so many great games and so many goals Um, but generally it will be what is the best match but taken into account will be the position in the league and say in the last six months of the season if you're or the last three months of the season if your team's in mid-table you will generally be on towards the late end of the show unless you perform in some brilliant game because it's not a fixture that is massively important. If you're playing two mid-table teams, there's not much at stake. So that has to come into it as well. So there are all sorts of things. And, you know, if if we put Forrest beating Chelsea, which was only 1-0 on second on Saturday night after the 5-2 Tottenham away win, we put it ahead of Manchester City who banged in five because Forrest winning at Chelsea is a big story. Whereas Manchester City uh, winning in a canter at home um, is not such a big story, but there's a Haaland hat-trick, so it had to go third. So you take into account all those things and and then generally you have matches where there's an actual winning result is better than a draw. So draws, unless it's a huge game at the top of the table, will tend to feature towards the latter stages of the show have i explained enough that, micah incredibly well the moral of the story is we're not biased <laughs> no we're so not, basically when yeah. leicester was in the premier league they was always on the top three <laughs> they they, uh, uh, they were sadly weren't well they were towards the end of the season because they're in a dogfight in a relegation so you start at the top then you go to the bottom then you go to the middle what we do get is complaints about the running order but when we get complaints it's it's always always about the team that that person supports being on too low. So when people start complaining about another side, then I think we'll have a problem. But it, it does it does amuse me because when, when we got Match of the Day back, we got the TV rights back in, um, I think it was about, was it 2003, something like that? I had a discussion because I was the, the presenter. I'd just, well, I'd taken over from Des a few years before and, and ITV had it, a program called the Premiership and it didn't quite work for them. So we got it back. And I said, I remember saying to the people that produced and, and the big cheeses at the BBC, is there a way that we can show every game? 
because in those days it was two highlights of matches and then a few clips from another one and then you just show the goals from the rest of the game. And I said, is there a way we can do highlights? And they worked that out and they did it. And I thought, crack it, at last we won't get complaints from people saying our side is never on match of the day. But what we get now is, why are we always on last? <laughs> so... We should actually return to Forest because of that win at um, Chelsea because Brilliant. it'd be unfair and we don't want to be accused of bias against <laughs> against Nottingham Forest. A, a terrific effort, wasn't it, Alan? They were unbelievable how um, how well they uh, how well they defended. Um, particularly when you look at their away record, how terrible it's been. Um, so yeah, great performance, great result, and that that should set them up to uh, to go and do that more often. If you were thinking about them last season, you were always thinking, will they stay up? It's going to be a tight one. And they did well in the end. They stuck with Steve Cooper, didn't they, when they might have sacked him and they got the just rewards for that. I don't think you look at Forrest now and think, they're likely to go down, do you? We didn't have them in, uh, going down, did we? No. I think this? I might have. Oh, you have. <laughs> <laughs> you kept that quiet, didn't you? Well, not that quiet, you just said it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Forrest will be fine. I think... They're selling Brennan Johnson, though. But they did buy, they got seven players mm. in on the last day of the window and another one just the night before. So eight in all. I tell you, he's done well there. How do you pronounce his name? A one year? A one year. Yes. He looks a little bit it, awkward, he's got, but he he's scores. Full. He reminds me a bit like Shola Amiobi. Would that be right, Alan? Yeah, yeah. Very, very awkward. Can look, I don't know, cumbersome at times, but. Yeah, he's. I would imagine he's horrible to play against. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd hate to play against him. But I think Forrest will do just fine. And I've got two Forrest players in my team of the weekend, so we're not who, biased who at they? all. Worrell and Bolly, two centre-backs. Well, Joe Worrell's, um, I mean, yeah. amazing performance from him. I mean, yeah. he was absolutely magnificent and particularly had, had such a difficult week, yeah. didn't he, with the, the, the family bereavement. Yeah. So, um, a fantastic effort from him. Chris, I want to quit on Crystal Palace because, I mean, Roy Hodgson, he's, he's going in another season, um, comfortable victory again yesterday. Um, lots of people were surprised when he came back again, weren't they, after Patrick Vieira um, uh, was fired. How long can he keep going for you, Roy? It's unbelievable, isn't he? What a, what a, what a character, what a man. I mean, I spoke to him the end of last last season um, and still then he still had the, the energy. And But it, it, no, I don't think anyone thought he was going to come back into this season. But then when the job offer came along, one or two people saying, oh, how can he get in at that age? But... When you talk to him and see still the passion and the anger and the the hurt and everything else that you that you need as a as a manager, um, he's just an unbelievable man to to have been around for that long, and the, for him to still get the buzz and the kick and, and and all of that, just unbelievable. And then lose probably their best player in, in Zaha, um, which which would have been a blow. But then he's very happy with, with what they've done in the transfer market, so. Um, yeah, I think they'll do all right, Palace. Did you see Mateta's assists, mm. by yeah. the way? Oh, oh, oh. oh my God. <laughs> he turned into Ronaldinho. <laughs> Extraordinary, I was, I, I was watching the game thinking he's not just done that. I thought he sort of, he didn't mean to do it. It's just hit him on the back. His shoulder, it sort of come off his, mm. his shoulder, like back pass. It was unbelievable. Then the second one, he, fl he sort of back healed it. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Eze doesn't want to be called Eze anymore. He wants to be called Eza, apparently. Eza. Oh. Eza. 
It will, yes. So we've got to call him Ezra now. Yeah. Well, we've had a Gazza, forward. now we've got an Ezra. But basically, he's been useless in, in, in fantasy football. <laughs> he got his goal. No, 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 he's been great. He's had like 16 shots and, and not scored. But yesterday, yeah. he finally came through. I've got him in my other it's fantasy. All, it's all about team. the fantasy team. Exactly. Um, VAR, interesting weekend. Oh. I, I, oh. I was going to try oh. and avoid Fucking it. But hell. I mean, the Kanji one was, was a bit. Bonkers, it's actually it? embarrassing now. Mm. You know, it's, it's how can you watch that? So, do you want to explain what the action was? Yeah, so if, if, if people if people didn't see it, um, Manchester City were um, were, were playing. Um, Ake um, scored the goal, and Akanji was in the line of the ball, and Akanji either tried to flick it or tried to get out the way, more likely. And the keeper, as he went, didn't know whether he was going to touch it or not, and in the end, he stuttered a fraction that went in the corner. Um, and you can understand on the the on field yeah. referee um, not seeing it, but VAR had to decide and decided that he, he wasn't influencing the, the well, keepers. Well, me and Al talk about it all the time. What do you think of that, Gary? Because I, thought, I thought it was offside. It was ridiculous I thought, decision. I mean, uh, because, how, I mean, if I understand he wasn't exactly in the line completely of the goalkeeper and the ball, but when someone's that close to the goal, the keeper has to wait really to see if he's going to flick it or not. As to, as to his reaction, so he has to have an influence on the goalkeeper. He so therefore, it must over be over the fucking ball. <laughs> what well, more I, do I you need? I wasn't going to put it quite in that language, what Alan. What more but yes. do you need to understand that he's interfering when the goalkeeper's lying yeah. when he jumps over the fucking ball? <laughs> Seriously, you've got two VAR people looking at that decision. I mean, I looked at that once on Saturday and within three seconds I said that has to be offside. Yet you've got two supposedly football people looking at that in VAR thinking, well, I think that's all right. And also, to make matters worse for Fulham, it's in the 49th minute, the fourth yeah. minute of injury time, and they're one all First at the half. time. First, First half. half. They're going at half time, one all if that mm. doesn't go in. That, that decision kills them. Mm. So we've now got another opportunity where Howard Webb has to ring Fulham up on Saturday evening and say, I'm really sorry, we've made a huge error again. Did he do that? Yes. He did. Oh, he right. did, Fair, yes. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it was... <laughs> It was a remarkable. Yeah, Apologies, no good, is it really? Well, it, it, it probably makes it worse in a way. I don't want the apology. <laughs> Fuck your apology. <laughs> I, I want the result at the time to be right. Is as simple as that. Oh, yeah. it just frustrates me talking about VAR always getting something mm. wrong. The talk about it has to be uh, an ex-referee or a referee who's done. But obviously, they've got no common sense. So they need to look at other ways where they can get help. It's as simple as that. What, what did we make of the um, penalty yesterday um, in the Arsenal game? I I was amazed they overturned it. Mm. We're talking about the Havertz one. Havertz, the Havertz yeah, when he one, was... yeah. I probably, I probably didn't, didn't think immediately it was a penalty. But once he's given it... Then I was really, really surprised they so uh, was overturned I. it. So was I, but I want to make one point. There's no question that Havertz flicked his leg into to you know, to get the slight contact that he got to go down, which in a sense really was it was kind of a Was there any dive, difference was there any dive. difference to that and the Marcus Rashford one against um no. Forrest no. last weekend? No, no. This is this is the point I'm coming to. If he hadn't turned it around 
are we encouraging players to keep doing that sort of thing, to keep diving if you want to, or keep kind of forcing a penalty? So if they turn it round, um, they might... You, you, you understand what I'm saying? We don't want to reward players for doing things that are a bit unscrupulous. Let me tell you what was said and what we were told. There's yeah. going to be a very... Well, before you go on, Al... Ex- explain what we do. We have a briefing, don't we, before the season, and the referees come on and tell us exactly, basically, yeah. what's going to go forward in the season ahead. And we are told that there's going to be a very, very high bar, and it has to be an absolute howler for the referee for then to be overturned, or for then for him to go then and look at the screen and overturn it. Now. Are you telling me that that decision that was made yesterday was an absolute howler? No, that's exactly. not what I was telling. I was just raising a different. No, point. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying yeah. you are, but I'm, I'm, mm. I'm just asking the question. For me, it, it wasn't a howler. So we've, we've, we've now one week you get that it, the Marcus Rashford one. The next week you get that one yesterday that was overturned, which is, it just it's. To me, it is just incredibly confusing. Um, there's a few other things I want to talk about be, be, before we wrap up um, today. Um, I just want to talk about the... Um, have you seen the Sancho story um, yeah. that, has, that, that has broken? He's, he's posted on his social media um, about the criticism that basically came from Ten Hag, his manager, who publicly admonished him, really, didn't he? Saying that he wasn't training properly and that's why he wasn't in the squad um, to play in the game at Arsenal. Um, what do we think about when managers publicly criticise players? I, I always think when they publicly criticise you, they're probably, at their, I don't know, they're in the last chance saloon, if you like, because they've tried everything else. They've mm. tried looking after you. They've tried helping you, protecting you. Um, they've tried everything. And I think it's, a, it's, it's the last chance, basically, when a manager comes out and says, look, I've got this is it. I've got to try something different. Otherwise, I don't know, he's gone or he's asked to go. Well, it's certainly got a response. Um, obviously, Jaden Sancho came out and said that, you know, he's, he's trained really hard and he felt he was doing all the right things. And this it's, is, it's not good for the club, though, is it? It's a very difficult one because you remember last season when Jaden Sancho was going through something where the... He was going through problems off the field. Yeah, and then he and sent Ten him away Hag for a bit. Pr- protected him, yeah. you know? So for him to come out and publicly sort of embarrass him, there must be something going on. Going on. Mm. I don't agree with it, though. It should no. be in-house. Yeah. Because now, United have had so many problems over the last couple of seasons. Why would you... It's almost like the manager yeah. said, okay, let's create I'm another getting, problem. I'm getting heat on me now. Yeah. Man United are not playing the way that everyone's expected them to play. So let's take the heat away from me. And that's not what a manager's supposed to do. Yeah. A manager is supposed to protect you. I had a, um, a story with, with, with Mancini. I'd been out for, for eight months with uh, a knee injury. And basically I had a, a lateral meniscus repair and they normally take between four to six months but I was a lot heavier than a normal sort of footballer so I took a little bit longer and then Mancini come out in the press and said oh Michael Richards is is made of glass he called me Swarovski you know the Swarovski the uh, (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. You, do you know yeah, the yeah, Swarovski? It's like glass. Yeah. Isn't that meant to be and crystal? You're not fucking yeah. crystal, by the way. <laughs> so basically... I think Roy Keane might disagree, but anyway. <laughs> no comment. But, but basically, he, he, he outed me in the public, but it was just one comment. And then everyone basically called me injury prone and made out of glass for that one mm. comment. And I had that stigma oh, ag wow. against me pretty much all my career. And it, it didn't intentionally mean to to do that. And it is being a little bit sloppy from Ten Hag. You know what you're doing. You know what you're saying. You know the size of the club that you're at. And every word that you say is going to be scrutinised. So Micah, I think Ten Hag should do that. I, I think if, without, without us knowing both sides of the story, the club have a side of the story because they've invested heavily in him. And he's he's hardly kicked a ball for Manchester United. So we don't know their side. And we also don't know his side because we don't know what, if anything's going on in the background or affecting his life or whatever for him not to be able to get out into a pitch and not perform to the levels that we, we, we saw for many years, which is why Man United invested heavily. So unless you know both sides of the story, it's very difficult. Yeah, I had something um, with um, Bobby Robson um, when we played when he did something publicly. I've, I've told this story to you, to you before on the um, Match of the Day Top 10 podcast, but um, obviously we've got a lot of different listeners on here, so I, bear with me if I repeat myself. But um, in the Euros in 1988, we played in Germany, and I, I contracted hepatitis. I didn't know at the time, um, but I felt weak in the really weak in the first match. Second match, I've you know, I've just got through on fighting spirit, <laughs> but there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot in my body, and then I could barely move after that game. Then we went into the third game of the three. We already knocked out because we had a shocker, and we played against Russia. And I couldn't put one leg in front the other day before the match in training. But um, come cometh the match, Bobby puts me in the team. Um, I think they thought I was kind of faking it or something, and. I thought I, so. I played the first half, and he took me off at half time. And I, I was honestly, I was, I felt so ill. And anyway, we bombed out, lost all three of our group games, and and there was a back page headline on one of the the tabloids, um, Bobby, where Bobby Rossum did a did his column, and he kind of there was f five pictures of players that hadn't performed and all this, and he it was part of his piece, and we got. It, it was it, things have changed. There's no social media stuff, so they um, we used to get the faxes of the newspapers sent by fax, and 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 we got this the back of this paper. It might have been the mail on Sunday or some of the mail, and um, and and we got on the team bus to go to the airport to go home. And I had a copy of it. And I I threw it to Bobby Robson. I said, "You're out of order," <laughs> um, and I'd never fallen out with Bobby Robson. Um, anyway, so I go back home and I get tested um, and turns out I've got hepatitis, which Alan also had in, yep. in his career, um, which is bloody awful, mm. awful. So I was in hospital for about about a week. Um, I lost about 17 pounds and then I was I was in my hospital bed and I, I got a visit from Bobby Robson. And um, he came in, he said, all right, son. He said, there's two things I've got to say to you. Um, firstly... Um, how are you? I hope you're getting well. And secondly, I've I've come to apologise. Um, I was out of order. I was wrong, and I thought that was absolute measure of of the man. Um, and he himself recognised that he, he shouldn't have said anything publicly. But um, Sir Bobby Robson, yeah, 
amazing. A, a true legend. Um, let's let's move on to um, a couple of things from other leagues um, before we bid you farewell. I want to talk about the old firm game because um, that's the first one we've had since we started the podcast. It was a tight game, um, could have gone either way, and um, I, I saw quite a lot of the highlights and. The atmosphere at those games is always, always, although there were no away fans. Um, so actually when they scored the goal, it was a bit like when you scored in, in a Classico away from home. There was deathly silence. Um, but a good one for Brendan Rodgers. He needed it. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the standard from from those two has certainly dipped in, in recent years. Um, I, w- I watched bits of it and I was thinking... I mean that yeah, the atmosphere was amazing, but the standard of football wasn't great at all. Um Rangers scored um and then disallowed again. VAR intervened, said it was a foul. I wasn't sure, I didn't agree with that one either. Um but then Celtic just before half time, killer blow, wasn't it? That they went straight yeah. over the other end. What a finish it was. Yeah. And then that was it. But um yeah, the standard's not great up there. Have you ever been to one of those games? I have. I've been to three or four. They were yeah, they well. are unbelievable. Oh. It's what what's an experience. the best atmosphere? Oh, it's, it's which which stadium? If, if you want to ask what's the most aggressive atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, is, I mean, yeah. of any kind of derby that I've ever been to, that I think that it, it's that. It's 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 something on another level. Yeah. I brought hatred. Oh, uh, boy, I, I, there's not there's not that much in it. I don't think I'm not going to side on it. <laughs> <laughs> you have the fence. The only thing that worries me, we've got a lot of green, a lot of green behind us here <laughs> with, with the rest, rest is football logo. Um, I, I I don't. Did you see something talking about supporters and fans? Did you see the thing with the um, Olympic Lyon? Um, supporters and their ultras. Yeah. Uh, I think I've, we'd sent it through on the, 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 yeah. the group chat that we have, um, where basically the players had to go to the end. Something's happened very similar, didn't it, with AC Milan uh, last season? Well, where Derby, wasn't it? it? Yes. I was at the game. You were at that game? I think the it, was Mal- semi, it was a semi final, wasn't oh, it? The, yeah. I uh, think it was. I think I was at that game. Uh, yeah. where, where basically the the supporters are having a pop at the players, which obviously they do from a lot of time. But on this one, the players are all stood on the edge of the box yesterday, lost 4-1 at home to Paris Saint-Germain. And they're being getting to talking to <laughs> yeah, by a, a, one, of the, one of the ultras with a microphone. Yeah. Um, and I, I managed to get it um, the translated version of it, and I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you. So you've got a guy with a microphone amidst thousands of fans saying, to you... The Olympic Lyon squad of 23-24, this message is to you, at least to some of you. To those that are supposed to be the leaders of this team, the message is clear. If there are leaders in this team, you don't have the right to keep quiet. You wear the jersey of Olympic Lyon. Others before you have worn it, glorified it. You don't have the right to tarnish it. Strong words from the wow. fact. What, what would you make of that if you got a, like a I wouldn't say a word. <laughs> None, None of them did. None of them did. I'd be quiet like a mouse. Did no. you see it? Did you ever see the picture of them all stood there? I mean, they're all their faces are lit, like thunder. And you can imagine. I was thinking, oh my God, I've, it's like. It's incredible, isn't it? It's one thing getting bollocked off your manager in the dressing yeah. room, that's fine, but standing there with getting absolutely pelters off thousands Humiliating. of fans. Yeah, it is, yeah. All the cameras are on you and you can't you can't say a word either, can you, I suppose? But the bottom of the league and they've just been battered at home, hadn't they, off yeah. PSG, I think it well, was. Well, they pay for their tickets. It'd, yeah. it'd be interesting to see if it caught on here. <laughs> be interesting. Uh, ooh, ooh. Mike, Micah would start swinging. <laughs> now, now. 
Come on, let's be careful. Oh, let's finish with the moment moment of the week. <laughs> I think the moment of the week, no, you can't be the moment of the week. Not for that, because we can't jest about such serious matters. Uh, moment of the week, I'm going to go um, Jude Bellingham oh! again. He's, what is he doing over there? Did you see a celebration? The la- just to tell people, if you, do, you weren't aware, I'm sure you are, um, the last minute winner. Tell me about his celebration. He just stands there. Oh, yeah, he does that, yeah. In front of the crowd, yeah. like he's just... He knows, doesn't he? Yeah. I am the king yeah. of this stadium. El Rey del Bernabéu. to me. <laughs> El Rey del Bernabéu. Speaking wow. of stadiums, how good's the new one? The, the oh, new stadium, incredible, mate. isn't it? Well, it's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, blimey, what a player. What a player. <sighs> and what a lovely way to finish. Uh, Micah, say goodbye. Go Pleasure on. as always, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye. And it's goodbye Alex. from me. And um, <laughs> goodbye from all of us. Goodbye. <laughs>